Our topic this week, out of Genesis chapter 4, My Brother's Keeper. Genesis chapter 4, verse 8, Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Verse 9, the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? Right? And that's the theme of the message tonight. It uh, goes all the way back, you know, 6,000 years or so, uh, to this classic famous statement revealing the carnal heart. No care for anyone else, all self-absorbed and... Uh, especially in this situation where he is the one responsible <laughs> for God not knowing, although God knew, of course, God asking, where is your brother? Uh, for him to just be in total denial, just a total lack of care, a total lack of love for his brother, physical brother that he grew up with, In that day and age, so close to the Garden of Eden, can see the Garden of Eden. No doubt the world had so much beauty still in it, so much of natural, God's natural um, graces all around it. And yet, how quickly the heart became hardened to the cares of others how quickly humanity became so self-absorbed that we don't care anything about anyone else. And we see that. We see that in society today. We, it's very easy to see in others, <laughs> you know, but if we're willing to look in a mirror, uh, we'll see it in ourselves as well. Even our prayers are so selfish. You know, our prayers are almost always all about us, you know? Uh, how often do you know, prayer requests that are turned in or sent in or given or mentioned are about, oh, pray, please pray for this person, you know, um, that, uh, that doesn't know the Lord, or please pray for this. Most often the prayers are about us or about those that are so close to us that it's still us, right? Please pray for my mother or my son or my, you know, uh, spouse, you know, someone that's so close to us that they're still a my. You know, uh, it's still us that we're praying for then in that sense, our circle of family or friends that we're praying for. Um, and so uh, he said, so God obviously is just the opposite because God's wanting to know where's Abel. He's bringing the topic up and he wants it to be known to Cain that he cares about Abel. And he wants us to know that he cares about every able that has ever lived. Every person that has ever lived. Every person who's been hurt. Every person who's been abused. Every person who's been wronged. God is on the scene, seeing it all and bringing those who are guilty to account. He cares about Abel, even though Cain does not. Even when we do not, God cares, God loves, God knows, God sees. And so this 
phrase, am I my brother's keeper? In John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Whoever is born of God does not sin. The children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not do righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. We should love each other. Not as Cain, who was the wicked, was wicked, the wicked one, and murdered Abel. Who, and why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and Abel's righteous. And yes, that is the reason that sums it up, because his works were evil and Abel's righteous. But another way to say it is because he only cared about himself and he didn't care about Abel. This selfishness. And so the love of the Father is bestowed upon us so that we might become children of God. As we've talked about in the past, we're not naturally that way. Cain was not naturally that way. Neither was Abel naturally that way. Adam and Eve were until they sinned, until they fell. But Cain and Abel were not. And that, this demonstrates who really are the children of God and whether or not we love our brothers. Whoever does not do righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Right? So it's manifested in our actions, in our lives. That's really the real proof of the pudding. That's what will be the test in the final age. Oh, it's easy to say, I love God. That's easy. It's easy to oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. But it's demonstrated in how we live that out with one another, that we should love each other. Whether we are children of God or children of the devil, it's manifested in who do we care about? Who is first and foremost in our mind and heart? Continuing on in this chapter, verse 14, in 1 John chapter 3. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So this is the test. This is how we know that we've passed from death to life. We are born in death. That's how we're born. The moment we're born, we're on the path to death. Right? Every day, right? So I'm dying. Right? I'm dying. Right? You're dying too, right? So right now I'm a second older than I was when I made the last statement, right? And so that's one step closer to death. We are on the path to death from the moment we are born. But we pass from death to life when we surrender our hearts to the Lord. Confess our sins, confess our carnal nature, confess our selfishness, it's really the root of all sin. And accept the Messiah's death in our place. 
because he laid down his life for us. And then he gives us his life, and in giving us his life, he gives us his heart, he gives us his mind, and then that will manifest itself in love towards others. Right? Because when we pass from death to life, this is the test. This is how we know that we've passed from death to life when we love the brethren. That's the test. That's how we know when we have passed from the carnal nature to the transformed nature, from the carnal nature to the righteous nature, from children of the devil to children of God, taking on the divine nature when we have God's heart. And God manifested that by giving his son to die for us. Yeshua manifested that by giving himself, leaving heaven to come here, not for himself, not, it didn't benefit him at all. It's not like he needed more humans, right? <laughs> you know, if he wanted more creatures, he just needed more creatures in heaven, he could just create more creatures, right? A whole lot better than any humans he could possibly get, right? So he didn't need us, that he came down here to redeem us. It was not for his benefit. It was totally, 100% for our benefit. And he came and died for us while we were yet sinners. While we were enmity against him, while we hated him, while we were sinning against him, while we killed him. He died for us. Totally self-sacrificing. Totally emptied of self. Came here for us. Because whoever does not love his brother abides in death, stays in death. When we're all in this take, 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 take mode, sucking it up for ourselves, we become love suckers, right? We grab onto someone, we just suck the love out of them, and when we take all the love out of them, we go find someone else to suck the love out of. And we just, just drain them of everything they have. We go from person to person to person in our lives, just constantly trying to fill our void. And the void can never be filled from some other human being other than the God who became human and gave himself for us. So we're just abiding in death. We're living in death. Oh, we might look like we're living the life. We might have so much because we've been so greedy and selfish that we've stored up and that we've learned to steal and manipulate and coerce and, and lie and go up the ladder and, and get funds for ourselves and and manifest for ourselves and, 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 and buy for ourselves so we have all this stuff and the glamour and the big everything and the comforts of this life. But according to the Bible, we're dead. We're abiding in death. We're living in death. We're living a dead, empty, selfish life when we're just storing up for ourselves, when we're just taking for ourselves, when we're greedily just wanting for us, putting self first, self-preservation in everything. And then if we hate our brother, it's even worse. Not only are we living in death, we're actively murdering. And as Yeshua said, if you hate someone, you've murdered them. And so we are murderers when we don't love, when we don't forgive, when we harbor bitterness and anger or jealousy or desire for revenge. We're murderers. 
when we slander, when we gossip, when we talk badly about, when we think badly about, when we assume the worst in someone, when we assume the worst motives in others. I don't mind when people judge my motives. I don't like it when they misjudge my motives. (laughs) We judge each other, we condemn each other in our own minds and hearts. Think the worst, we jump to the worst conclusion. We are murderers. We're murdering them in our mind. We're putting them down in our minds. And if we verbalize it, we're spreading it. Killing their character, their reputation, their name. We become murderers. But Yeshua laid down his life for us. And thus, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Be willing to die for someone else. Now, is that talking about being a bodyguard and jumping and taking a bullet for someone else? No, much more than that. When it says willing to die for the brethren as Yeshua was willing to die for us, not just talking this earth, talking willing to die the eternal death for others. And that seems ludicrous, and is. But that's the death that Yeshua willingly died for us. When he went to the grave, he was willing to stay in the grave for all eternity if that's what it would have taken for you and me to be able to be in heaven. He was willing to die the second death and never come out if that's what it would take. For even just one person. We say, well, that's unnatural, and it's not natural. And that can only be divine. And that's true too. But not because he was divine, he laid off his divinity, he did it in his humanity. And he has filled others with his spirit who had. The same attitude. Moses prayed, blot my name out of heaven, out of the record books, for their sake. Paul prayed, I wish I could be cut off for my brethren's sake. Willing to be blotted out, willing to be cut off. And there are others as well. We're willing to pray that way and meant it. Willing to have their place changed and exchanged so that others could be in heaven. And not just others. Oh, I'm sure there's people who'd be willing to give up heaven for their child. But would you be willing to give up heaven for someone who hates your guts, who took your job, who murdered your child, who hurt you dearly. That's the love that God has. And that's not natural. And you can't force yourself to manifest that. Oh, we can pretend, you know, by giving offerings. We can pretend by keeping Sabbath. We can pretend to be holy by a lot of outward things, a lot of outward demonstrations. 
when we think we're following God. But the true test of passing from death to life is by loving others to that extent. And you can't fake that. That only comes when self is totally surrendered and crucified in the Lord and the Holy Spirit is filling us with new minds, new hearts, with God's character manifested out of us. Let this mind be in you that was in Yeshua the Messiah. That's what he's talking about. Having his mind, having his attitude, having his character lived out in us. God being transplanted into us. Him living his life through us. And thus it's not us who's doing it, it is God doing it. And just using his flesh, just as he used that flesh he took on when he came forth out of Mary. A borrowed flesh, in a sense, he's just borrowing our flesh. We're just allowing him. We're making ourselves empty vessels for his glory, for his use. And so it's a divine miracle to have that type of attitude towards anyone. I remember a friend of mine was mugged. He was an older man at that point in his life, and he was coming out of the subway in New York City, and the guys knocked him over and ripped his pants pocket, grabbed his wallet, ran off, left him injured. Could have been worse. His age and that situation, could have broke a hip. Could have been the end of his life soon after that. Fortunately, it wasn't, but he was still bruised and hurt. And his words were, I am so thankful. I am the one who was mugged and not the mugger. Better to be offended than to be those that offend. And not take it to heart, and not take it personally to learn to forgive, to learn to love. I was told, told the story the other week of a lady who took in the man who was convicted of murdering her husband and trying to kill her. And his repentance and his transformation and her adoption of him. Loving others. It's possible only through God only through the divine miracle of God changing our hearts. So that's why God comes to Cain and asks him that question, because God wants to do this in Cain. God still loved Cain and still reaching out to Cain and gave him more opportunities. And Cain's resistance to that. Can I love my brother? Can I care about my brother? Am I responsible for my brother? Am I his keeper? Yes, we are. We are responsible. Whether people will be in heaven or not, if we've neglected the work that God has called us to do. If we neglect telling them about the Lord, if we neglect giving to God's work so that the work can go forward so that they can be reached, if we neglect 
however God wants to use us. He uses us in different ways. He's given us different talents and gifts. If we neglect using those gifts and talents, we will be held accountable. And the whole purpose of God giving us those gifts and talents is for the winning of souls. That's it. That's the only purpose. It's not to boast, I've got five talents, you've got one talent, how many talents you got today? No, it's not about this comparison. The only purpose of God blessing us with abilities is so that people can be in heaven. That's it. And so we will be held accountable if we don't let God's light shine through us. If we don't let God win souls for his kingdom. So who is your brethren? Really, we should expand that. We don't want to be, uh, you know, we want to be equal, right? So we should say, who is your brethren and who is your cisterns, right? So that's one way we're equal, right? We, you know, the men and women, right? So that's the question, right? right? So who is your sister? That's what you want to know. <laughs> okay, so Luke, God answers, Yeshua answered this question because this is the question that was asked to him. Who is my neighbor? Man came to Yeshua and asked him, what must I do to be saved? Yeshua said, do commandments, love, uh, what, do you say? what does the word say? Love God and love your neighbor. The man said, who is my neighbor? So Yeshua answered him. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Yeshua said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, leaving him half dead. A certain Cohen came down from that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. A Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And Yeshua said, go and do likewise. The man gave of his time. The man gave of his water and of his oil and of his wine. He physically helped him, took him to an inn, paid for the care, and then was even willing to pay more for someone he didn't know. Someone of a different race, someone of a different nationality, someone of a different religion. And so who is our neighbor? everyone on this planet. He calls us to have compassion when the man had compassion on him. That's where it starts, in the heart, having compassion. And that Samaritan might not have 
known the whole Bible, might not have known everything in the scriptures. But he had God in his heart. God had implanted in his heart a love for him. I mean, he was either going to Jerusalem or coming from Jerusalem, so he had come in contact, no doubt, with the word of God. But it was demonstrated, not in how many Bible stories he had memorized, not in how much he knew, but in having compassion for others. And that's the real test. And then God tells us to go and do likewise. And we can't without God's spirit. So it's the manifestation that God lives in our hearts and minds. Matthew 5, verse 44. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who persecute you and spitefully use you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Tax collectors do this also. You shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Interesting analogy. This is how God rates perfection on whether we love our enemies. And he does tell us here that by God's power, we can be perfect in him. He wouldn't give us a command and tell us to be perfect if he couldn't make us perfect. But perfect doesn't mean never forgetting someone's name. Perfect doesn't mean never being late. Perfect doesn't mean always looking terrific. Perfect means having God's Spirit in us, giving us love for our enemies, giving love for others. May God transform our hearts and minds, setting us free from selfishness, carnal nature, liberating us from being so self-absorbed Right? And society is all about that, right? iPhones, iPads, all I, 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 I. Right? It's all about I. Right? Even the middle letter of the word sin is I. Right? Like in the English anyway, right? That's how it works out. We're the center of it all. That's why humanity used to think the universe revolved around the earth. Right? Because we're so self-centered, we think everything in all the universe revolves around me. <laughs> That's our human nature. And then when it, they were told, what was it, was it Newton? Who, who, who said, no, it's not. Da Vinci? Galileo. Galileo, right, you're right. Galileo said, no, you're wrong. They wanted to kill him. <laughs> They locked them up, excommunicated them. Because he said they were wrong. And people don't like hearing that we're not the center of attention. And it's not all about us. But it's loving others. This demonstration of total self-surrender. Holy Spirit living in us and out of us.
God's mind in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds. Blessing those who hate us and curse us. Doing good to them and praying for them that spitefully use you. And this is going to happen more and more and more. Things are going to get worse and worse. The Holy Spirit's being withdrawn from this earth. And carnal, evil, intense of the heart. We're going to get more and more intense. And the only way we're going to be able to be seen through it is by having God's Spirit giving us love for those who will cause us to be martyrs, who will take everything away from us, who will hurt us, imprison us, try to kill us, and cast us out and everything else. Fame, our name and our reputation, lying. Okay. If we don't surrender all self now, and fill with God's spirit now, and love others now, we will be filled with bitterness, rage, hatred, pity, self-pity, depression, loss, grief. But it's letting go of the stuff now, being filled with God's Spirit, and loving other people now. That's God's record of perfection. No one will be in heaven because they loved animals. I'm going to step on a bunch of toes now. I know there's 99% of the people who are not going to like that. <laughs> and that's Whatever it is. But it says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Doesn't say anything about loving. And I know God loves the animals, right? God created the animals. He does. God loves animals. He got upset when Balaam kicked the donkey. He didn't like that, right? He rebuked him for that. You know, so God does love the animals, and the heaven will have animals, right? The lion will lay down with the lamb, and, you know, and, and even snakes will be in heaven. Right? I don't think cockroaches will be, but you know, snakes will be in heaven. Right? You know, but, uh, so God loves animals. I get it. Right? God does love animals. But we also look at how God treated animals. You know, look at how many lambs and rams and goats got slaughtered right? yeah. you know, in order to represent the Messiah. Right? So millions of those, right? tons and tons of those. And you know, in the ark, he didn't give them a choice who wants to go into the ark. He said, just take two of every unclean and seven of the clean. You know, and that was it. And the rest, sorry, guys. You know, so uh, that's just how God didn't build an ark big enough for every animal who wanted to get in. Uh, he just built one big enough to sustain them and continue them for generations to come, at least their, their offspring, to be able to, that they'd still be around and survive without having to recreate them. So God does love the animals, but, and dogs. The Bible never says anything nice about dogs. I'm just telling you. <laughs> you read the Bible through and through, you do a search of dogs, not one time does he say anything good about dogs. <laughs> he, he compares them with the worst of the worst of society. I don't think God loves dogs. I don't think he likes dogs. I don't know. <laughs> so you look at the Bible, you've got to get that impression anyway. You know, someone who never met a dog, never saw a dog, and read the Bible, they go, God doesn't like dogs, right? I mean, that's just how it is, right? And cats, God doesn't even mention cats at all. They don't even get a mention, right? They are so bad, they're not even worth talking about. The Bible does not mention cats at all, except a lion, right? That's it, you know? And the cat doesn't care about you either, so, you know, but... Uh, 
So it's okay. It's okay to love animals. You know, that's fine. But don't think that makes you righteous. Right? Because that's, it, it doesn't say to love the animals. Right? There's no commandment to love the animals. It's easy to love the animals that will come and lick you. you know, it's easy to love the animals. It doesn't matter how many, you can call him a jerk and he doesn't care. You know, come here, jerk, and he'll come right over. Right? You know, it doesn't matter. right? Uh, so it's not, it's, not, it's not a big thing to love a dog. right? Because they're so loving back to you. Anyway, uh, like tax collectors loving each other. right? Big deal. Right? There's no glory in that. But there will be people who won't be in heaven because they did not love humans. And when we look at society today, on where the emphasis is, for way too many people, it's on loving animals. Save the whales. I haven't seen a whale in their life but have no problem with babies being slaughtered. Have no problem with elderly just being shoved into a home and left there. They won't go and visit them. They won't go, even if they know them. Not loving a human. A friend of mine was telling me a story. They had to take uh, this dog to a a shelter. um, And it was this... PPP is on their on the doormat uh, in every dog's room. It had PPP on the carpet thing, and that was for uh, Pampered Pet Palace. Right? That's the name of it. Pampered Pet Palace. I don't know if I'm giving advertising or too famous, but whatever. That's what it's called. And uh, and, it, and they went in, and the dog. They gave the dog its own room, and it had its own TV set. And you know, the home bowl and all this, you know, a nice comfy bed. Right outside the door of this place, there was a homeless man sitting there. Wow. And my friend went over to him and sat there and talked with him and helped him out a little bit. Do we love humanity? That's going to be the test. And we look at how much this country spends on pet food and pet stuff, toys and beds and all this kind of stuff and shampoo and compare that with how much offerings are given for God's work to save souls. And I think it would be a sorry comparison in God's eyes. And we should have compassion on all God's creation. We should love all God's creation. But God's order is love God, love humans. Everything else comes after that. And I can understand why it's easier to love animals. Again, animals will be nice to you even when you're not. And humans won't be nice to you even if you are nice to them. <laughs> you know, I get it. I understand why. You know, and, and, and humans have hurt us, right? You know, um, humans are the worst people I have ever met. You know, I tell you. <laughs> they're the dumbest, they're the meanest, they're horrible. You know, they're absolutely horrible, right? Humanity, humans are just terrible. And so I can understand it's so much easier and, and safer, you know, to love an animal. Cats and dogs are really easy. You know, they, 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 
They like that. And humans don't. But it's not a test of life to death by loving animals. It is a test of life to death, whether we know, whether we love our brothers and sisters, whether we love our enemies. That's the test. And so if you want to lay down with the lion in heaven and swim with the dolphins in heaven and swim with the whales in heaven, and don't worry about loving them here. Worry about loving your brother here, loving your sister here, loving your neighbor here, loving your enemy here. And then you'll have all eternity to cuddle with the sheep and the whatever, you know, the giraffes and whatever. Be plenty of time for that, for all eternity. But our test now is to get as many people into heaven as possible. That's the test. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in, to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God's called us to love the world and every individual in the world. So easy to think of the world, but do you know your neighbor's name? Do they know your name? Have you reached out to them? Right? We can be concerned with some country that's in war, or some country that's getting devastated by a typhoon. But do we love those around us? Those that we work with? Those that we go to school with? Those around us? Are we witnessing to them? Are we loving them? Are we allowing God to manifest himself out of us to them? As well as giving to those who are hurt by a typhoon and those that are being hurting in other places. And maybe God will send you on a short-term mission or a long-term mission, whatever. God's called us to love and to work to save all. Because God is patient and long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Romans 8, verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Messiah. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So who's our brother? Who's our neighbor? Everyone on this earth. And we are joint heirs. When we receive that adoption, when we accept Yeshua's sacrifice in our behalf, when we allow him to come into us and transform us, we become brothers with him, brothers and sisters with him. Joint heirs with him. Hebrews 2, verse 11, he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Mark 3, 4, 34, he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. And in Matthew 25, verse 40, 
Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Yeshua is our brother. And what we do to each other, how we treat each other, is a demonstration of how we really think about him. We can say we love God, but if we don't love humans, and each human, including the humans, you just say human, we think of just the masses, talking about the one person on your mind that hates you, who's hurt you. That's how we'll treat Yeshua. We need to put Yeshua's face on that person. Because how we treat that person is what we're doing, thinking, feeling towards God. That's why it's the test. That's why it's a demonstration of the passing. Because it's impossible to love our neighbor unless we first love God. Unless he is filled, we're filled with his love, unless we've surrendered all to him, allow him through confession, through acceptance of Yeshua's death, and the receiving of the Holy Spirit, we can't love God without also loving our brother. They go hand in hand. So it's really not a first and a second step, love God and then love your neighbor. It's both together. They're joined together because you can't do one without the other. You can't love your enemy without having God's love in your heart. And if you have God's love in your heart, then you'll love your enemy. You'll love your neighbor. You'll love the brothers and sisters in this world. And so they go together. And so we don't have the one, then that means we don't have the other. And so it's by being filled with him, being united with him, to truly demonstrate love to God is by loving his children, loving those that he has created all throughout this earth. And where is God's heart the most? With the 99 that are sitting here or the one lost sheep? He goes and leaves the 99 to go find the one lost sheep. That's where God's heart is. So if you want to be where God is, it's not so much in coming to services. Well, he's here. This is not where to meet him. Where to meet him the most is in out saving the lost, out reaching out to the lost, because that's where he's about. That's what he's about. He's going around asking, have you seen Abel? Do you know where Abel is? Do you know what's going on in Abel's life? Do you know what's happening to him? Have you given him a call in a while? Have you checked in on him in a while? That's the real test. That's where God is. That's where God's heart is. That's where God's eyes are. Eyes are. And that's where our eyes will be when we have his eyes. And so to know our heart, to know where we stand with God, all we need to do is think about how do we feel towards others? What are we doing to alleviate suffering in someone's life? What are we doing to help others, to minister to others, to bless others, to encourage others, to build others up? And not only those, again, our tax collector friends, 
But how are we doing it to those we don't know and those who don't like us? And so, as we pray, God's asking you, where's Abel? What are you doing for Abel? What are you doing to win and help my child? How are you loving him? And so if God's brought someone to your mind, someone who you don't love, maybe it's an enemy, maybe God has just impressed you with someone you never even thought of before, maybe some nationality or some country or something, Whom is God laying on your heart to love? Whom is the Holy Spirit revealing to you that you don't love? Let him do the work. That's why he's revealing it, because he loves you. That's why he came to Cain, because he loved Cain. That's why he's coming to us. That's why he's bringing this conviction to us. He's wanting to reveal our own hearts to ourselves so that he can help us, so he can cleanse us of our selfishness, so we can confess it now. So in a moment when we pray, God has revealed to your heart and mind that you don't love someone. Maybe you love 99. Maybe there's just one person you don't love. Truly love. Willing to give up heaven for. Then a moment when we pray. Let's let God take that uncaring, unconcerned, selfish attitude out of our hearts. And allow God to fill us with his mind and his heart. Secondly, if God has been speaking to your heart and mind about someone to reach out to, maybe he's been, he's been giving you thoughts of ways that you need to manifest. Maybe he's brought to your mind someone you need to call, someone you have, need to text or email or contact in some way, shape, or form. Go visit. And he's impressing your mind with that. In a moment when we pray, ask God to give you the power to follow through with that thought, the ability to follow through with obeying that unction of his spirit. Third, if God is impressing you in some way to reach someone, maybe it's with a talent or a burden or interest that he's given to you, maybe it's by giving or maybe it's by doing, some way, shape, or form, showing his love to others, showing his word to others. And when we pray, ask God to fill you with the power to do that. It might be as simple as getting a bumper sticker on your car, or getting a shirt, or passing out a track, or handing out a card, or sharing a social media post. But whatever he's impressing your mind with, to spread his word, and when we pray, one thing to think it, it's another thing to do it. We need God's power to do it. He's the one putting the thought in, and we need to allow him to then sanctify us and empower us to do it as well. So if any of those areas apply to you, or maybe God's been speaking to your heart about something else along these lines, whatever God's speaking to you, is convicting you of some other sin in your life, that's fine. Confess it, surrender it. Let God do his work. Cleansing. If you haven't received him as your Lord and Savior, 
You're still living in death, still living for self, still living for greed. Surrender that to the Lord. Let him fill you with his love. It's an unselfish life lived out for him. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, ruler of all things, ruler of the universe, we're thankful that you love us, that you've demonstrated that love for us by giving your son. We thank you, Yeshua, for demonstrating your love to us by leaving the glories of heaven, leaving the comforts of heaven, to come here born in a horrible situation, be rejected and even hated and tempted to be murdered as a child, to flee and be a foreigner, growing up misunderstood, for being hated and being killed. Thank you, Lord, for surrendering all for us. And thank you for willing to die even the death of being accursed of God, blotted out forever, if necessary, for us. Thank you for loving us with that deep love. Give us that type of love. Live in us and manifest that in us. Give us a hard burden. Remove all the selfishness out of us. Give us a heart cry and prayers that if, possible, if necessary, that we would even be accursed so that others could be saved, that our names would be blotted out so others could be saved. Give us such a heart burden for the lost. And that becomes our natural prayers. And that becomes our natural actions. Live in us and out of us. For your honor and for your glory. In Yeshua's name.